When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And flag home by Perisic! It's Eric Dyer. Bang! Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they done it! What a strike by Bissouma. Audius flying it again and wins it. Great work from Romero. What a save by Lloris. Jed Spence. Oh! Off the ball, Richarlison. Bulgari Kulisewski. The strike at Gasson. Scores. Crossing Kane. Can you truly believe this? Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us as we bring to you our big match preview against Leicester City. If you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes or on Spotify or across all major audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And joining us on this show, delighted to be handing a debut to not one, not two, but three great guests on the last one on Spurs. We're joined by a live score sports writer, Mitch Fretton, BBC Radio 1 presenter, Jess Izzat, and also YouTuber, Patrick Tyrant, who you're probably hearing defend Spurs massively over at the football terrace. But just a reminder, if you do need one before we start the show, that we are absolutely like to be sponsored by the Beavertown Corner Pin. That is the Beavertown, of course, Opposite our south stand. And look, you can grab a pint before or after the games at the Beavertown Corner Pin. And or even grab a pint in their own brewery inside the stadium. And it's out of this world beer drank on this earth. Of course, they're back very, very soon with their home when away feature. So please keep an eye, of course, on all the latest news over at Beavertown by going to beavertownbrewery.co.uk. Right, on this show, of course, we'll be discussing Hugo Lloris and the injury that was picked up, unfortunately, on Wednesday, where he'll be out now for a minimum of six to eight weeks. We'll be providing an update on Antonio Conte and whether he'll be back in a dugout, of course, for Leicester City to come at the weekend. We've also had an interview drop with Daniel Levy for the Premier League, which doesn't seem to have got as much traction as you thought it may have done. And also, we're going to look ahead to Leicester City to come of course, on Saturday. But listen, let's start the show if we can with you, Mitch. Big, big news for Tottenham. Not the news, of course, that we wanted to hear on Wednesday. And that is unfortunately to do with Hugo Lloris, where Spurs are going to be without Hugo for what looks like a minimum of six to eight weeks after he suffered a knee injury in the 1-0 victory against Man City on Sunday. Our understanding was that injury seemed to occur after full time. So what do you make of that injury, Mitch? And how big a miss could he be in Spurs' season at this point? Yeah, look, I mean, Lloris, whether he's been at his best over the last few months or not, is, is of course, a, a big debate amongst the fans. But um, at the end of the day, we're losing a, a presence in the dressing room as well. Six to eight weeks is a long time in football. You're looking at sort of towards April time by the time he's coming back for us. And, and that's our captain that's out. So, um, you know, Fraser Forster... 
Um, for me personally, I think he can come in and do a decent enough job. But um, I've always stuck by the sort of idea that, that Lloris is an excellent goalkeeper and he's got us out of a lot of sticky situations in the past. And I think, although I like Fraser, I think he's a, a brilliant guy and a decent enough backup keeper, we will miss Hugo for, for the next few games. And, you know, people, people have been slating him for, for the last few weeks and months. And yes, he's made a, a fair few mistakes this season, but it's not until he's out of the team and not playing that you then see what he actually brings in, in value to, to the squad. So, yeah, it's, it's a big blow. Um, and like I said, that's our captain we're losing. Obviously, Kane's a very able replacement. But um, yeah, it'll be a blow to, to the lads. But you know, no letting up in the Premier League and mm. we're, we're within touch and distance of those Champions League places again. So uh, we need to just pick it up and hope Fraser Forster can do do a good enough job over the next couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. The weird thing is it's actually come out of nowhere. You know, uh, Tick has asked him the question here, did he injure himself jumping on Kane? I mean, as far as what we've been told in terms of a journalistic perspective is that uh, this injury occurred at full time, at some point around full time. I mean, just come around to you, look, I mean, Larice, to be fair, he's probably found it his most difficult season in terms of the critics that he's faced. How big a blow do you think it is, Jess, losing Larice at this point in the season? It's one of those things because we've obviously come off the back of a huge win as well. I imagine that maybe he hurt himself probably celebrating, which is obviously so ironic, isn't it? I'm a mm. big fan of Larice as well, and I think yep. that he's always had everyone's back he's always so vocal as well obviously our captain too so I don't know it doesn't seem that good does it no we will come on and shortly discuss in Forster and how we feel he's going to fare between the six because it might be for a, a, quite a bit of a period he will be there Pat come around to you there has been links let's like say on this Wednesday evening that Spurs are eyeing up potentially uh, Ben Forster I mean it is quite ironic that the guy's a podcaster now and himself really um, and I think that's more of an emergency cover in the situation where, of course, there would be then an injury to Forster, which, I mean, given Spurs' track record injuries, you wouldn't put anything past them. What do you make of that, Pat? And also, how much do you think Spurs are going to struggle without Hugo Lloris in between the sticks, given the nature of the amount of stick he has had this season? Yeah, you know what? It is a really risky, uh, sticky one because, you know, sometimes they say, be careful what you wish for. And a lot of us were slating Lloris. He's probably had his worst season for us. I've always loved him. For me, he's been a world-class goalkeeper. But if we're all being honest, this season looks almost like a season too much for him. He's made comical mistakes and big errors in big games. Uh, against Aston Villa, we were cruising nil-nil in control of the game and he made a howler. They ended up winning 2 nil Against Arsenal as well, even though he was under a bit of pressure, that kind of cross shot from Saka that he ended up bundling into the goal, another big mistake. And he's just made... Mistake after mistake, uh, I think he's made the most errors leading to goals in the whole of the Premier League this year. So he hasn't been at his best, but like Mitch is saying, he is such a good shot stopper and keeper. There are moments where he will win us games or keep us in games. Fraser Forster is a good goalkeeper and to be fair, he's a good backup keeper. Last year, Southampton versus Arsenal and Southampton beat Arsenal 1-0, which is a game no one expected Southampton to win. Fraser Forster saved like 10 or 11 shots, point-blank uh, shots from Saka and other things. So we know he's a good keeper. When he's deputised and come in, he's done well. So he gives me a bit more confidence than our previous backup keepers like Vaughan, Gallini, Joe Hart. So, you know, I, I am a bit worried, I can't lie, but also at the same time, when he has played for us, he's played well. So, you know, we've got our, we're, we're, we're riding a good wave. Uh, ironically, Hugo Lloris kept two clean sheets in a row, which is, you know, when's the last time he said that? And then he gets injured. So, you know, got to take the rough with the smooth, but I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, just coming back around to you, Mitch, you know, from what we understand in terms of fixtures, he's going to miss, he definitely is going to miss that AC Milan first leg. You'd argue he could also miss the second leg as well, but also big Premier League matches, of course, Leicester this weekend, West Ham, Chelsea, Wolves, Forest. Also, you'd argue that cup clash against Sheffield United, where you may have said he might not play. But um, I think when you consider the fact that a lot of Spurs fans have showed a lot of negativity towards Lloris. And I would say, I mean, almost rightly so, I think when you look at the number of high-profile errors he's made, Arsenal and Aston Villa, we're now going to realistically see if we're going to keep typing, writing, saying Lloris would have saved that, Lloris would have saved that. So do you back force us to be able to obviously be between the sticks for such a big amount of games coming up here for top of the huge, crucial part of the season? I do. I mean, you know, he was he was a starter for or a regular player for Southampton last season in the Premier League. So he he's obviously accustomed to to the standards in in the top flight. And like I said before, he's he's more than than good enough. Um, the only issue, of course, is his lack of match 
fitness and I guess lack of game time um, over the course of this season at Spurs. But you know, that's he would have he would have known very well when he signed in the summer that he was coming to play second fiddle and and back up. And you know, he had to be prepared for that. Hugo is obviously not young himself, um, and you know, he suffered with a few injuries in the past, not too many. But Forster would have had to have been prepared for. Um, for something like this to happen and, and hopefully he'll just be able to seamlessly slot in um, and hopefully everyone playing in front of him from the defence midfield attack can just carry on playing how they have been playing over the last few weeks which has been much better I'm, I'm sure you guys agree with that as well mm, yeah. um, and you know I think I think we'll be able to get by perfectly fine in, in the games you know like this weekend it's, it doesn't frighten me too much that he's going to be in goal it's it's more the the big ones the AC Milan games are, are the concerns you know Hugo Lloris has won the World Cup he's captain his country to World Cup played in finals played in the Champions League final as well you want him regardless of his form yeah. in those games so it's about whether Forster can handle it in those sorts of games that he only really ever played for Celtic. The Barcelona yep. game comes to mind where he had an absolute blinder. So yep. let's just hope that we can get that version of him and and, and just pull through uh, while Lloris is out. Yeah, just to be you... fair, for um, just quickly, to be fair for Forza, this is such a good opportunity because when do you get an opportunity like this to mm. actually really show over a number of games yep. how, how you can do and how you can really perform? Yeah, I massively agree with that. I mean, look, I think Forster will know, of course, he's been signed as the backup goalkeeper. But like you said there, Jess, he's going to get the opportunity now of a consistent period to play. And I think the argument is that ultimately for any goalkeeper, it is very hard when you're going to be coming in and out the team. He is now going to get a consistent run. Do you think, Jess, you know, for... It, 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 I mean, as fans, some of us will be the same ones that are criticising the Reese now saying, typical, we've lost him at such a big period. Do you think this period is going to show us just how much we may miss Larice, or do you back Forster to be able to do the job in what is now, you'd say, a hugely pivotal point in Spurs' this season where the games we've got coming up are going to define the season? You know, arguably, the next five or six Premier League fixtures are going to arguably see if Spurs can continue this top four run. Uh, obviously, Champions League, FA Cup. I mean, the argument is when Larice comes back, it could look very different this season. What do you make of it? I'm going to echo what Mitch says, and I think that he can do a good job. I think a real issue that I've noticed within the Spurs camp generally is people are really, really quick to be quite negative and jump critically on players. And uh, just like things like with Royale, for example, I feel like people can be so quick to be really, really judgmental rather than like actually put good energy into the atmosphere. I'm like such a huge believer in bigging up and creating an, a good atmosphere, positive atmosphere. Like he hasn't even started yet. And I bet some people are already critiquing him and how he might perform. Like if he doesn't have the best first performance, like people will be really, really quick to jump on it. But I actually think that if we put our energy into like actually positively reinforcing and encouraging, I genuinely think as someone who like plays a lot of sport and has a lot of passion in sport, I yep. think that if you have your fans behind you, that's why home games are so important because yep. you have your fans behind you. Nowadays we have online, like you think that the players don't see it. Yeah, they might not see your individual words, but they know the general the yep. general vibe, whether it's Massively positive agree. or negative. Yeah, no, I massively agree. And look, we, you say that, Jess, I know a lot of the, you know, first team, you know, around the squad, they do listen and watch Last Word on Spurs. And I think that's even, again, not, you know, us for being trying to be responsible for what we say. We're conscious that, again, social media has a massive impact on those players. And, you know, the argument is, oh, you know, that it's being run by their media teams. There is obviously an actual element to that. But believe me, the players, coaching staff and around the first team, they see everything. So, you know, again, it's almost that fact that you've got to be a little bit, you know, wary of what you do say does get back to the players. And I think the sad thing is, is I mean, we've kind of touched upon is that, you know, seen Emerson Royale have a wonderful game at the weekend. And, you know, before that, he had to restrict his comments on Instagram. I think it's only what we've seen in the last few days that he's actually now lifted that and allowed comments to come back through. And again, it, it just shows you the way football is that, you know, as players, you know, everyone judges and they're living the most perfect life. But, you know, when you're getting critiqued, Game by game, match by match, week by week. There you go. It, it is really, really tough. I mean, thing Pat, is, the you old... say the most perfect life, though, but like they're playing this as their passion, but it's also mm. their job. Absolutely. And it has yeah. a shelf life as well. So yeah. if people are booing you off the pitch, I'm sorry, but that is, I think, the most disgusting behavior. Imagine if that was you. 
And then, but you also still got picks. It's not you who picks yourself. Obviously, you've got to back yourself, but you need you need the team, you need the fans, you need your coach, you need everyone to be backing you. Pat, I mean, there'll be another argument that ultimately Spurs should never have been in this position because they maybe should have upgraded Larice's position, you know, a season or two ago. Where do you sit on that for you, Pat? Should we have even been in this situation or is it just unfortunate timing that Larice's got injured at a point in a season where Spurs have ultimately got a lot to play for and a crucial run of fixtures? Yeah, it's unfortunate timing, to be fair, because Larice for me, has been a top keeper for... <coughs> excuse me, for a long time. I know there's been a decline, a rapid decline this year, but last season he was fantastic. The season before that he was fantastic. So you can never tell. I mean, he's 36. So at some point he is going to drop off, but we wouldn't have foresaw it to be this rapid this season. <clears throat> but saying that, the last two games he has looked really good. It's just a shame because it is literally business end of the season. And then when I looked at it, six to eight weeks, six weeks takes you to essentially 22nd of March. Yep. Eight weeks takes you to the 5th of April. So like you said, he's literally missed the whole chunk of the season. Yep. I'm not as it's worried. Like... I, I believe I, I agree with what Jess is saying. And I, I don't think it's as big as a problem as what people are making out to be. As we know, Twitter is quite accessible sometimes and people are mm. so negative on there. But Fraser Forster has looked good whenever he's played for us. And he is a good goalkeeper. I believe that when I saw him at Southampton like Mitch is saying, at Celtic. So it's time for him to step up and earn his corn. He's a good keeper. He's yep. not at Lloris's level. But at the end of the day, he's probably better at commanding his box than Lloris because Lloris is quite a small goalkeeper and hasn't been the best at crosses and commanding his six-yard box. And his distribution has to be better than Lloris's because, let's be honest, Lloris's distribution is awful. So there are positives in it. And at the end of the day, we've just got to get behind the team. Man. We've got enough Absolutely. good players yep. and, a, and a, a world-class coach. We should be winning most of our games. So... Of course, the the reason why I'm a bit worried is because Larissa is such a mainstay in our team, and he's literally captain, been there for eight he, or nine like, years. What, captain, whatever you think about him, whatever you think about him, Pat, as you're going to say there, look, he's a, he's, a, he's a leader. You know, yeah. he's a massive, massive voice in that changing room, as we saw from the All or Nothing documentary. So, I, I can't see any way in which there is a positive to this. I mean, look, the argument will be look, forced will get a run of games, but on the other hand, you're missing somebody there that you know is a leader. Uh, he's a warrior 100%. on the field, and you know, ultimately now. We are going to see a test of just exactly how Spurs are going to cope without impact. Yeah, you can't. You're no mug if you're a captain for Spurs. You're one of the best teams in the world. I know people might laugh and banter us. We're definitely one of the best teams in the, in the Premier League and have been for a while. And he's been captain of France for how long? Who obviously they're one of the best teams in the world. And he also led them to a World Cup. So the guy is a good player. Uh, he is a leader, like you're saying, Ricky. Yep. It is a shame. It's such a shock because it literally came out of nowhere. I just literally picked up my phone and saw yeah. Luis out for six to eight weeks. And then I had to double yep. check and triple check it because I was like, is this a wind-up? So it just literally happened out of nowhere. I was like, when did he even get injured? So, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. It is indeed. Look, we'll keep an eye on how things are. But that's the nature of Tottenham. Hugo Lloris out for a, looks like a minimum of six to eight weeks. If it is up to eight weeks, it will take him until the next international break to get back where Spurs face a rejuvenated Everton, of course, under Sean Dyke. So we'll see what happens right there. Uh, what we are going to do is we are going to turn our attention slightly to Antonio Conte, who, what we understand, coming over to you, Mitch, he's flying back to England uh, from Italy. That was earlier on the Wednesday after undergoing surgery last week. Early indications do suggest... Mitch, that there's hope he'll be back in the dugout for Leicester on Saturday. How important would it be, Mitch, to have him back? Or do you back Stellini, who, from my understanding, I think he's managed five games in total, uh, two at Spurs, three at Inter. He's got a 100% record. So are we urging Antonio back? Yeah, I, lo- I mean, I love Stellini. I think I think he's he's a hell of a character and, you know, he speaks his mind and he's I think he's a lot more upfront than, than Antonio. But, I mean, yeah, having having Conte back on the touchline Saturday would be huge. I mean, what a man. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there at the moment questioning his commitment to the club and whether he's going to stay and stuff. But if he finds himself back in, in the um, technical area at the weekend, that sort of puts that all to bed, doesn't it? Because he could stay in Italy for longer if he wanted to. He could milk um, his operation and, and get as much best read as he wants, as much as the doctors recommend. But here we go. What is it just over a week later? He, he could be back in on, on the sidelines for us. So it'd be huge. And I think it will sort of almost counter the Lloris injury. You know, you lose an influential figure, but you gain another one back. And it, I think it would just give him a boost ahead of the game and, and just having his presence and obviously his knowledge around around the game would be would be massive. And then, you know, it would hopefully help us pick up three points, which is the main objective. Yeah, I mean, just coming over to you, we obviously know on Instagram, he put a message on there saying the operation went well and he could not wait to get back on the pitch with the team. 
what's your view on it, Jess? Are you hurrying Antonio Conte back or are you not you're not gutted if it is Stellini still in charge, given this manager record he seems to have? I was going to say with uh, Stellini's record, it's like, you know what, just like don't don't break it. And also, actually, I saw someone um, comment, did Royale play better because he didn't have Conte on his back? Well, it's, it's, an interesting, really it's an interesting point, Jess, because I mean, one thing we did notice, obviously, and I don't think there's a massive difference, but Conte literally, as you kind of alluded to there, he almost coaches the players during the game. We want a Conte cam. That's what I want. That's all I want. I wouldn't Conte. actually even mind just watching him like on the corner of the screen. It's so entertaining. Um, yeah. I guess it depends because if you're a player that likes that, you, you mm. all you want to think about is like your own game and then you've got yeah. someone telling you like what's what great mm. if you get confused by someone doing that or perhaps it's gonna ruin your performance because you hate someone micromanaging your game yep. then potentially that's not as good it can't work for everyone surely no, surely mm. uh, everyone's different and so I don't know but um I think it would be a great confidence boost like we're all loving him at the minute I feel yep. like the team kind of pulled together for it. I feel like it united mm. everyone at the weekend, like understanding why he was so kind of not as animated as he had been in the past. And it kind of just relieved that pressure. Yeah. So I think him coming back, especially so soon, would show his passion, show that he really cares and kind of bring back people together again. And again, like you said, Mitch, with um, <clears throat> Larice like not being there and being a big voice, then having Conte return instead of having... For example, like someone like Harry having to step up. I think it just means that people can play their games the way they want to. Yeah, lots of love for you guys. I must say, lots of love. So, I mean, I, I will put it down to the fact you're, you guys are lovely and the fact Spurs have won a game. Believe me, it's been... It's been a, <laughs> Pat, 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 will notice on the, Pat will notice on the football terrace, it's been a cess, it has oh, been a cesspit at times on socials with Tottenham, I must just say. Crazy, Pat, crazy. bringing you in there on Conte. I mean, I think the most funniest thing is Conte's name was being sung so much and he wasn't even at the bloody game. I mean, yeah. it, you know, I think, again, it's an, a, an, a reminder that, you know, at times the football has been really difficult to watch. I mean, we've been playing fairly rigid tactics mm. and I don't know what you think, Pat, just in terms of, you know, the difference having Conte on the touchline to not him on the touchline. I mean, I think Jess makes a wonderful point there that, you know, Conte does almost micromanage the players from that touchline. But again, I have to say that I felt with Stellini at the weekend, he was just as, you know, a ball of energy on the touchline. You could see he was kicking, he was, you know, really was fist pumping every ball. Um, again, massively, massively passionate. You'd imagine... That again, as we I think we've heard from Ali Gold that there was a lot of talk beforehand with both Cellini and Conte about how they wanted to set the team up. Yeah. So what do you think, Pat, for you? How much of a difference will it be having Conte back on that touchline, potentially for Leicester? With all due respect, and I don't want to sound cheeky here, Leicester, 14th in the league, I think we can probably do without Conte in that game. The thing is, you don't want to rush Conte back. He has gone un undergone a major surgery. And, you know, with all due respect, it's Leicester. We should be able to beat Leicester without Conte being there. You saw how he turned up against Man City. Looked really good. I know we were behind the ball a lot, but we were a lot braver out of possession. We pushed higher. You saw Eric Dyer, Hoiberg, and even Romero counter-pressing and also becoming an extra man. Hence how we even got the ball where Hoiberg stole it off, you know, the, the wayward pass from Rodri, slid the ball into Harry Kane. And you kind of want to see Stellini doing that again. So, of course, I'd love Conte to be back. We love him. As you hear, everyone that watches the games or goes to the stadium, we sing his name throughout the 90 minutes. But also at the same time, I understand he's gone through a massive surgery, so we don't want to rush him back if he's not really needed to be back. And I don't think, I mean, we should be able to beat Leicester without Conte being there. But of course, if he is back, it's a welcome boost. But I want him to be fit and healthy first. I think his health comes first. Uh, and we, you know, sometimes as football fans, we're a bit selfish. We always want mm. to rush players back. We always yep. want, you know, we need to also look at what's best for him long term. Absolutely. Go on, Jess, go for it. Do you, but do you think that it was just Stellini who decided that they were going to play a more attacking sort of game? Because you know surely him and Conte mm. talk to each other. That's a good question. Yeah, but absolutely. we've never seen, we haven't seen us play like that in a long time. So I'm like, mm. was it Stellini? Was it, Con was it a bit of both? I don't know. So I mean, it's a I really think, good question. Uh, what we do, I think what we had some, uh, again, Ali Gold, friend of the show, I mean, I think he put it out there that there was, coming over to you, Mitch, an, an almost a, a big meeting beforehand where they were obviously designating tactics and how that game was going to work out. I mean, the argument you could say that, you know, 
when you look at the possession of that game at one point, I think it was 70-30 in City's favour. So again, the argument would be that would Spurs or would, would us fans accept that at home against any other side? You probably wouldn't. But I think, again, mm. the fact of the matter is there was a real intensity to our play, Mitch, where we were actually going forward looking to take the game to the opposition. And I think what also massively helps, Mitch, is that we scored after 15 minutes. And given the fact that Spurs kept giving teams a 2-0 start, you know, during a, <laughs> during a massive point this season, it was nice to score early. And that immediately got the fans on side rather than had that game been nil-nil for 60, 70 minutes. I think like we've seen at home, can be quite a difficult atmosphere to play there, Mitch. Obviously, before the City game, we lost four out of our last five. So what do you make of Conte and, and the brand of football? I mean, is it going to improve or is that a one-off for you against City? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of aerials that were in our favour on Sunday. I, I think I think all of us are, are aware of that City's incredibly poor record at our place. Um, you know, the whole Conte not being there is going to amp up the atmosphere anyway. Everyone's wishing and where everyone's wanting to get behind the team no matter what's going on sort of on the pitch or behind the scenes, you know, you've got a new sign-in that's come into the squad that people are maybe getting a bit excited to see. So I think there are a lot of factors that just amped up the whole atmosphere and the team in general on Sunday. And and we always have a good game against Manchester City. It's, it's either, you know, we race ahead early or we get absolutely pummeled. So, you know, going ahead early in a game like that suited our style of play and our, our game plan. And, there are very, very few teams in the world that can go toe-to-toe with the way that City play um, and dominate the ball more than them and, and press them for an entire game. It's, it's almost impossible. Um, and more often than not, they're going to win out. So I I personally have no issues with how Conte wants to play football um, at Spurs. I'm, I'm very much of the mindset of just, just win the games. I was, I was like it under Mourinho. Um, and I'm like it now with Conte. And I just think that he's a manager that that you need to back. And I know people have said this a million one times, but you've got to give him time. I don't think we have still seen the final product of an Antonio Conte Spurs team yet. I think we saw glimpses of it at the weekend and he wasn't even on the touchline. Um, But I just, I just feel like he's slowly starting to get there. You know, we brought in Pedro Porro, who just sounds like he's going to be the perfect wing back in his system. Give him the summer to bring maybe, um, a couple of centre-backs and a goalkeeper in and just then give him next season as well to see what he can do because it's, it's just been evident over so many years at Chelsea and into Milan and Juventus as well that he is an incredibly good coach and, you know, he can adapt his style of play if he has to. If he has to go on the front foot and dominate a, a weaker op- opposition, we can do that and we've seen that with Spurs as well. Or if we need to take a step back against some of the more possession-based teams like Manchester City, like Arsenal at the moment, then we can do that as well. So, yeah, I've, I've got no issues with it and I think that, you know, given the resources and the time and another season or so, we, we will see a very good Tottenham team under Antonio Conte. You know, it's interesting, Jess. I mean, this season especially, I think, when you look at the fact of how the star was been, and you look at the back end of last season where Spurs finished in the top four, I think a lot of us went into the start of this season thinking, look, Conte's had a full pre-season with the players. We're almost going to see an extension to what we saw at the second half of last season where Spurs are going to be a lot more flamboyant, a lot more expressive with the ball. We've added, you know, five or six new players. What do you make of it, Jess, for you? Are you still happy with Antonio Conte or do you think it's coming to almost a conclusive end? What do you think? Oh, I hope it's not coming to an end. I am a big fan of Conte. Okay. Um, I agree that he, I don't think, has had enough time, but we know what it's like with managers. They can like be in and out very quickly. Um, I was a really big fan of Poch, and I feel like lots of people were, and obviously he went fine, whatever. <laughs> with Mourinho, I personally think that was awful. I think that there were loads of unseen politics behind the scenes that I actually don't, like none of us will ever know, but... I just think it's hilarious that that whole series came out with Mourinho and then like by the end of it, he was already gone. But I just think that maybe something with the players didn't really click. I think with Conte, maybe he's a bit more, he's obviously on it. And like I mentioned about like really being on it with managing, but no one can deny his passion. So I think that is actually working. We haven't quite got there yet. I think what we saw at the weekend was a more attacking team and everyone was more excited about that. Um, The fact that like Dyer was stepping up and it meant that it united us as fans and it united the team. And I think if, say, we'd have 
gone up a few more goals and like say obviously still won because obviously we still want to win but if we'd have gone down a few goals like if a few had gone in I don't think we would have even minded like I just think we want to see more exciting like pushing forward football us this whole thing of us going down um goals, goals in the first half mm. and then having to like claw it back in the second yeah. half is just yeah. stressful and everyone's tired they don't want to see it anymore they just want Absolutely. to see like early goals like we did at the weekend yeah. and we just want some more attacking football I think that's why everyone loves Romero because he's just he's just in there so um yeah we just want more exciting football don't we mm. agreed and um yeah um yeah, absolutely I, I totally agree with that I think okay. you know there's, there's an I'm here, guys. I'm here. Can you hear me? Can you see me? I think we've lost Ricky a tiny no, bit. Yeah, you're, you're freezing a bit, Ricky. You're okay. You're back. You're He's back. He's got you're the right, posh background, back. but yeah. I'm back, I'm back guys. Yeah. I did a defensive moment. I lapsed in concentration. <laughs> but Pat, let's bring you in there. Sorry, Pat, you were speaking. Go, go for it, Pat. Yeah, no, it, I was Pat. just saying, I love Conte, man. And so many people, when I'm on all these podcasts, they try and get me to turn on him because the football isn't as exciting, as expansive as it should be. But he needs time, like Jess is saying. Um... You know, yeah, I expected a bit of a better brand this year, I can't lie, with the signings that we brought in. But then also, if we're honest with ourselves, the defence isn't where it should be. We've had problems with the wing-backs. You know, in a Conte system, you need the wing-backs to provide that creativity and push forward. Perisic on his side has been fantastic, but the right side has been a problem. Emerson was fantastic on Sunday, uh, and that's the kind of performances we want to see from him. But going forward, he does leave a lot to be desired. So we've got Poro in now. We're all excited to see that. And as long as we can, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the objective this season for many a fan was top four in a trophy. We're still on track for that. So let's just see how it goes, man. We need to get behind Conte, get behind the team and then see where we land. Because as much as it's been quite negative, we're still in a good place. We're still in a good position right now. Agree. I think the one key thing that many are picking up on the fact, and we have to say this, that, you know, does Conte still want to be here? You know, I mean, whilst we obviously want the man to be here and there's an element where we feel he's still the right man for the job. I think, again, when you take into the account that he's lost three close friends this year, he's also had obviously an operation recently. And again, it's, we said it's on Sunday show that from the outside looking in, um, some might think, oh, he's lost his passion. He's lost his drive. You know, again, is that element what Jess said earlier? And no one really knows what's going on outside of the world of football you know these guys are all human uh, they all have their own personal lives they all have their own personal problems so look I think we obviously just need to get to a point where we understand the plan at the end of the season I think again it comes down to what we've asked for from the ball which is clear communication the direction of the football club and the way forward so it will be one that will keep an anxious eye on and we'll have to see if Antonio is in the dugout of course for this weekend's game against Leicester City which we're going to come on to in a bit more detail and preview Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, just something that might be of an interest to you. A couple of Spurs supporting pro comedians are putting on a stand-up comedy show in Milan for around 100 fellow fans who are travelling there to watch the Champions League first leg. The show is called Under the Lights and takes place at lunchtime on the day of the game. So it's a great way to spend a fun couple of hours of having a laugh and a few drinks before heading to the main square for the usual pre-match build-up. So that's the Under the Lights Comedy Club, 14th of February, between 12.30 and 2.30. And the venue is Salon 14, near Porta Romana Metro. The acts, Tom Glover and David Alfie Ward, 
both pro comics on the UK circuit and huge Spurs fans. Tickets £12 in advance from www.tickettailor.com forward slash events forward slash 1882 productions LTD forward slash 828 636 or 15 euros on the door. You can find the ticket link in the profiles on Instagram of Under the Lights Comedy or on Twitter at UT Comedy. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Next, just to bring you up on some news. So Spurs are understood to have missed out on a 42.5 million sponsorship deal as South Africa essentially scrapped the agreement. And I'll, again, to be honest, if there's a lot more, you know, crux to this story, I'd get the guys' opinions on it. But I brought me understand it was reported last week that a conditional offer was made in the region of 42.5 million, which I think has seemed to have got quite a lot of traction. I mean, it's been... It's better to say, I think there's been a lot of kick up a fuss about it, but um, the, the crux of it is, as far as we understand, that essentially that is now no longer going to go ahead and the deal that was essentially on the table is no longer. So if there was more to this story, we'd bring it to you. But our understanding is Spurs are going to miss out on that 42.5 million sponsorship deal. I think many are intrigued to see now what is going to happen in regards to the stadium naming rights, given the fact that we know Spurs are going to, what we expect to announce record profits from the latest annual financial figures. We know Spurs have been holding them back until after the window. There was an argument that maybe they held them back because essentially they didn't want to show their hand ahead of the January window. But again, I think be interesting what's going to happen there. So that will not be going ahead. One man who has done some talking uh, this week is Daniel Levy. Now, um, I actually got to be honest, I was quite surprised. I mean, that this wasn't given a lot more promotion yeah, and traction, given, given the fact that Daniel has only done, I would say, I've got to say, what, five interviews in the last 20 years of, you know, being part of Enoch and managing Tottenham. So just to give some context to this, and we'll start with Pat on this. Essentially, Daniel was doing an interview for Premier League Stories in which he was essentially given an outline on the, the journey of being Spurs' chairman and yeah. the building of the stadium and the building of the actual infrastructure in and around the club. Now, I think it's fair to say Daniel's doing this interview at a time where there's a lot of spotlight on not just him, but the overall board at Spurs and whether there's enough being done in terms of the investment. Just before we come on to the interview itself, Pat, are you quite surprised that this wasn't given much of a promotion, given yeah, the timing I mean, of it kind of come out of nowhere? Ricky, I didn't even know it was on. One of my boys, Bainsey, shout out to Alex, he literally messaged me and said, oh, are you watching the Levy thing? It's about to start. And I was like, what? What Levy thing? Because Sky Sports Premier League is um, coming on in a couple of minutes. So this was about 6.50, message me. It started at 7, didn't it? So it was a 30-minute segment. It was really good, to be fair. And, I, you know, I'm not going to be here, like, slating the guy. People that know me know my stance on him. But it actually was a good interview. And it actually warned me to him a bit more than I... Um, as it stands and it was good to see his thoughts and his insight he's talking about how he's a Tottenham fan and he wants the team to do well when the team doesn't do well he's pissed off and it ruins his weekend and uh, you know like he hates when Tottenham are playing rubbish football and it made me question a few things I'm like really if that's the case and why do, haven't you backed the team better and you know all of that stuff so but it was really good to see um it was really interesting when he was talking about the South Stand and how they got the acoustics right. How Because, you know, as you know, the South Stand is one massive stand, 17,000. There's no pillars in it, so or no columns. He showed the architecture and how they managed to do that. You had the main architect talking about how Daniel Levy's a 
fierce negotiator, tough customer, but they had such a good relationship and they met every week to build the stadium. He spoke about uh, Beaverton, uh, the brewery. He spoke about a lot of stuff. Um, so it was a really good segment, but yeah, I don't know. I'm still not sold on the guy, if I'm being honest. And, you know, I don't want to be negative and come on no, here. Pat, honestly, though, I think this is the thing that, you know, as a... Uh... As a, as a channel, as a podcast, there is almost that feeling that, you know, we are vigorously behind the board. I mean, we've mm, you know, I'd like to mm. think we have been heavily critical you and have, said yeah. that, that there needs to there needs to be some form of either a change or some form of something to, you know, to essentially bring the club back to where we want it to be. Because I think all of us feel there is a sense or lack of direction as to where the club is going. I think, you know, other channels say things in different ways. I think we've always tried to be logical and balanced and fair in the approach that, look, we recognise that we've got a great stadium. We recognise we've got a great training ground, but, you know... We want to see no, on the pitch success. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's see. no point having a great training ground and great stadium if we're not going to see that, you know, exactly. in terms of the team and being able to deliver and push on. You know, so out of interest, Pat, where do you stand on the ball for you? <sighs> Levy out, Enoch Okay. Out. I'm, I'm sorry. And it's just like... Hmm. You know, without being negative, I understand what he's done for the team. I understand yeah. where we were before. But the argument about where we were before he stepped in, we had one more trophies before he had come in, in terms of now. Yes, in terms of a global brand, in terms of a more respected team, in terms of finishing in the top four and being a part of the established big six, I get all of that now. But when it comes to on-pitch success, which is what I care about, I don't care about Beyonce state, uh, stadium tours. I don't care about Tyson Fury fighting here. I don't care about NFL. I don't care about Lady Gaga. I want to see Tottenham winning trophies. I want to see Harry Kane doing that. I want to see Hugo Lloris. I mean, Hugo Lloris is about to probably leave without a trophy, which is criminal for a goalkeeper of his stature. I want to see us win stuff. I want to see us be in that conversation. When you look at the fact that Leicester have won trophies, when you look at the fact that these teams that... We should have definitely, I mean, we've had our chances and it just feels like every time we've had that sliding doors moment, Levy mm. hasn't backed the team when he should yeah. have. We all loved Pochettino. We all wanted him to get backed. He didn't. Two transfer windows without any signings is criminal. God knows how Pochettino, when you take a step back and look at it now, you're like, how the hell did Poch finish second, third, fourth without mm. being backed properly? Then yeah. you bring him Jose Mourinho, who's a win-now manager and you don't back him. Antonio Conte is a win-now manager. And the jury's still out if he has been backed or he hasn't. For yeah. me, it was criminal that uh, January came. We didn't get a decent centre-back. We all I know Romero agree. was world-class. But yeah. if we're looking at his options side by side, they're not good enough. And uh, if we would have went out and just pushed the, uh, the name out and got a top-quality centre-back to partner mm. Romero, I had no doubts us finishing third or fourth. Now yeah. I still think we're finishing the top four, but it's going to be a scrap. So yep. for me, I just feel that he just doesn't do enough. And he talks on the on the show about how he's a Spurs fan first and foremost. He wants to see on the pitch success. You can see from the interview that he does listen and he does hear what we're saying because he really, yep. without addressing it, he addresses it, if you get what I mean. But I just I don't see enough. I just don't see enough, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's absolutely fair. I mean, again, I've said it consistently here on last one on Spurs, Mitch, coming around to you that... You know, I've always felt going into a transfer window and then coming out of it that we're arguably always, for me, one or two players short. I exactly. never feel that we're ever ready to either start the season or then to continue what we're doing in the season in January. So that's always been my biggest issue. And I've got no problem saying that and being honest and how I feel about that. But um, the interview itself, Mitch, you know, Daniel Levy admitted that Spurs can do, all they can do is give the manager the best players that they can afford in their quest to be a success on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, as we know, Spurs is last civil where coming 2008, but obviously we know we've been competing regularly in the Champions League, and of course we're going to go one step further and finally win those top honours. I mean, there has been obviously the argument that the inconsistency has plagued Spurs over the course of this campaign and several of them. Where do you stand on the ball for you, Mitch, and what do you make of the interview itself? For me, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, but at the same time, my opinion on Daniel Levy and the board isn't a particularly positive one. I think I, I completely agree with what Pat was saying. I mean, we were, we were on, we've been on the verge of greatness so many times and we've almost just got there and we've, we've sort of gone, oh, okay, that's good enough. If we get, you know, that trophy over the line or if we finish in that particular place and that's fine. If not, then, oh, well, you know, think about it over the last sort of five to seven years, we've had, FA Cup semi-finals, Carabao Cup finals, Champions League finals. We've come second in the Premier League. You know, we've given teams a run for their money. We, we've had so many situations where 
if we'd have just gone out in the summer of of one of those years and just really just put our money where our mouths are and just brought in a couple of quality additions there's no doubt on my mind that we would have picked up silverware in the last few years we we were such a good team particularly under Pochettino um probably the best team that I've seen in in my lifetime um Tottenham wise and it just it just never has been enough and Daniel Levy can say that he's a Spurs fan all he likes but above everything else he's a businessman um, and he prioritises that over the football inside of things. And I'm not saying what a club like Chelsea is doing is right, but if you wandered over to West London and sat down with Todd Bowley and spoke to him about football and talked to him and asked him what his ambitions are and then put that interview side by side with Daniel Levy's, it would be a complete difference because Todd Bowley will come across and he will say, I don't care what the cost is. I don't care about all of that side of things. I'm happy to invest in the team to see them win, whether that be now or in the future. Whereas with Daniel Levy, you know, and they come out with a statement earlier in the month saying, you know, we've invested this month, but you haven't. And you could have done more yet again. And we obviously don't know what's going to happen in, over the course of the rest of the season. We, I would say our best shot for anything at this point in time is winning the FA Cup. Um, don't know whether yep. that will happen. Hopefully it does, fingers crossed. Yep. But yep. It's, it's, it's just a case of, like I said, not doing enough. Having and then you know you're biting back at the fans when when they're rightfully getting upset and and the 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 trust have done a fantastic job in trying to get answers out of the out of the board and they've come back with really vague and quite almost condescending answers in my personal opinion and yeah. you know coming out and saying we've invested in the women's team we've invested in a new stadium I I tell you this now and not everyone might agree with me. I would snap my fingers and swap our new stadium back to the old White Hart Lane Stadium if it meant we, we won that Champions League final. 100%. Yeah. So, 100%. I mean, again, I'm, it's a good point you made there, Mitch. I mean, uh, for me personally, I think if Tottenham were playing over Hackney Marshes, we wouldn't care. We'd go and watch them. I mean, it's yeah. lovely having a lovely yeah. having a beautiful stadium. It's lovely having you know all these uh, again wonderful concerts happening. But ultimately, if we're having having to pay for that for a lack of success, is it truly worth it? I mean, Jess. Just to bring you into this conversation, I know the board is one that does split so many people's opinions. I'm just going to read you Daniel's comments and coming on this, Jess. He said, I think when you're involved in football, the one thing is we all want to win. Not everyone can win. It's very, very difficult. We are not in control of what happens every time there's a game. All we can do is give the manager the best players that we can afford. Inside there is raw motion. I'm just being respectful for the opposing team around me. If we lose, it ruins my whole weekend. If we play bad, it is even worse. If we win, it is great. What do you take from those comments, Jess? And do you believe what Daniel's saying there? It's just so hard to believe him, isn't it? Because if you do, then great. It makes us feel like we're on the same side together. But a lot of the time, the feeling is that we're against him. And I think that's actually the problem. Like the fact that we don't believe him, the fact that he doesn't pull through with what he's saying that he's going to do. And the fact that he clearly hasn't got on with these managers or like listens to them. But the fact that you feel like even if you just sat down and had a conversation with him about football, you'd know where he was at. Whereas with Levy, it's all like very politician-like. Like you said as well, he doesn't do many interviews. That just shows everything. It means that he doesn't even trust himself to go and like speak to people. If he really was a big fan of football, if he was mm. with us on like our side, yep. there'd be no problem with there. But he clearly is on his high horse and just cares more about business. And I think that just that just kind of says it all, to be honest. Listen, it's we've caught we've caught Todd Bowley in spaces on Twitter. We've seen Todd Bowley interacting with the fans. Like he's actually mm. in trenches listening to what they say. He wants yeah. to be part, he wants to be successful. You mm. can never imagine Levy interacting with the likes of you and I, really taking in taking on board what we say and then relaying it back to the team. And that's the thing. And even like Mitch said, the when it took so long for the trust to apply to us. And when they did, it was so condescending. It felt like we were naughty school kids that would basically ask, you know, to go out and play and it was raining. It was so condescending how they spoke to us. Mm -hmm. It was so cheeky. And the stuff they said, it didn't answer any questions. You know, they spoke about investment. They spoke about I, this stuff that had... I think that's a big thing, Pat, isn't it? I mean, it's almost like, you know, what we're asking for, I don't, I don't think it's too hard. It's just almost clear communication direction of what the ambition is. I, I don't think that's too much to ask when arguably we pay the highest season ticket prices in the country. Um, and arguably, not arguably, at, not arguably, it is. Well, we do. We do, we do. We don't, <laughs> we do. not arguably, you're yeah. right. We do, we do pay the highest season ticket price in the country. Then when you look at, for example, you know, for example, 
the teams that are around us. Yes, again, they're funded by, you know, you could argue where that money comes from. But ultimately, if you're going to charge that amount, you have to then deliver the product on the pitch. That's always my argument. When you come to a point of a transfer win and you feel, well, that's enough. I don't think that you can't then replicate that and charge everyone the highest prices. If you're gonna if you're gonna do that with the team investment, then you're gonna make it balance out with the with the ticket prices. But I mean, look, all I would say is, I mean, from what we understand is that Daniel Daniel, from our understanding, look, he's not the most um, flamboyant speaker. He's not that one wants to go in front of the camera and talk every five minutes. I don't think we're asking for that. I think all we're after, if I'm being honest with you, is just somebody to outline the clear vision, the clear ambition of the football club and give us a sense of direction of where the club is going. What doesn't help right now, and this is potentially maybe out of an element of control, is that Antonio Conte's contract is running out at the end of the season, and we we don't know what the future holds. Now, the argument should be, should we even be in this situation? I don't think we should. We should know where we stand. And I think that in itself does frustrate fans that we essentially do not have the answers to these questions, which I think will give us a lot more clarity. So, I mean, look, just to finish on, Daniel said, um, you know, his connection to the team comes from visiting White Lane for the first time as a youngster. He said, my first game was against Aston Villa. Um, I came, my great uncle bought me. It was a long, long time ago. Ever since I've been a Spurs fan, I think it must have been about seven or eight. The atmosphere, the intensity of White Lane was something special. I used to love coming. And then in relation to chopping and changing managers since Pochettino's exit back in 2019, Levy did confess that apparently his dream is to have somebody who can be in charge of the team for a good 10 to 15 years. He said, managers know that it's just part of the game, that managers come and go. But he explained, we all dream to have and want that manager that lasts 10 to 15 years. It is very, very difficult. What do you make of that for you, Mitch? Was was Potts ultimately that guy that we should have backed all those years ago? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it, it doesn't take a genius to work out that he had us playing our best football over the last five, ten years, and he had probably the best squad that, that we had over the last five to ten years. You know, some of those players were fantastic. You know, you had the, the Rose Walker saga and those two at their peak. You had a prime Moussa Dembele, prime Christian Eriksen, Deli Ali Breaker. I mean, I'd go through the whole team and just think about how incredible it was. And, you know, I'll always, always come back to that interview that Poch gave um, sort of on the start, of, in the beginning of the end, where he said, you know, you can have a really nice house, but you need to put the furniture in it. Um, he should have been backed. And, you know, those two seasons where we didn't, two summers where we didn't sign anyone really, really hurt the squad. Um, and you could almost argue that we're still paying for it now. There's still players from that squad that are here that arguably shouldn't be, you know, each their own, each their own opinion. But when you've still got, you know, the likes of Eric Dyer and uh, Ben Davis and, Harry, you know, people out on loan like Harry Winks that are still contracted to the club and, and still making a living off us when they arguably should have been moved on a while ago. It, you know, you can look back on it and think, well, that's where we've gone wrong, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, for me, Poch's era was the era that we were going to do it, wasn't it? You know, Champions League final, cup semi-finals and finals, challenging in the league for the Premier League title. I don't know when we're going to see that again, if we are. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of almost a little bit sad to look back on, but... I also like to stay positive and I'm a I'm a massive fan of Antonio Conte and what he does. Mm. So I'm I'm hoping that we can we can yeah. sort of find something similar under him in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, you can check out that interview with Daniel Levy. That's on Premier League Stories. I understand there'll be repeats of that interview to come. Right, what we are going to do, we are going to go for our final break of this show for our listeners on audio. Take you into that break, you're going to hear from Jamie from Leicester Fan TV, who gives you a Leicester perspective of what we should be expecting on Saturday and we are going to turn our attention to Leicester to come. Hi everyone, Crackers here with your events update for 2023. Friday the 24th of February, Gary Mabber at the Rodgers Club in Chessington. Friday the 3rd of March, Harry Redknapp at Cambly Heath Golf Club. Go to echo61.co.uk for further details. Friday the 10th of March, Steve Sedgley, Tony Galvin, Phil Bill are at Dartford FC for South East Thames Spurs Supporters Club. Friday the 17th of March, Glenn Hoddle is at Bedwars Rugby Club. That's for South Wales Spurs. Emerald Spurs events on Facebook have on Friday the 24th of March, Michael Dawson at Row Park Resort Limavardi. And then on Saturday the 25th of March, Gary Mabber at the Bonington Hotel in Dublin. Worcester Spurs, the official supporters club there, Friday the 28th of April. Glenn Hoddle is at Worcestershire County Cricket Club. 
If you go to at Mr. Cracknell across the socials, please take a look on there for posters of these events and further ticket details. Come on, you Spurs. All right, there, Jamie here from Leicester Fan TV and also the Foxes Arms in Port of Alcudia. But enough of that, straight down to business. Both of us had decent wins at the weekend. You against Man City, us picking up our first win since the restart after the World Cup against Villa 4-2, where we had an international lineup of goal scorers. To be honest, I can't see there being much difference in the team. You should never change a winning lineup, but I do think Brendan Rodgers has got a bit of a conundrum in the middle of the park with the midfield. We'll start at the back. Danny Ward not had the best of times, but I think he's the number one keeper and I think he will play. Timothy Castagna, he's a great player, but he's just not been at his best but he seems to be forming a partnership uh, in that back line at the minute. We've got Harry Suter, Wout Fez and Victor Christiansen, who's 20 years old and he's built like a Viking. He's big, he's stocky, he runs down the wing, he makes overlapping runs and he loves playing for the club already. He loves playing for the club. Up front, you'll have the new lad, Tete. Bit of a Brazilian flair, bit of skill, bit of touch, one-touch football, which we've been missing since uh, Riyad Mahrez left us about five years ago, and Nacho and Harvey Barnes up top as well. The conundrum will come in midfield. Do we play a holding midfield like Wilf Ndidi or Papi Mendy or Bakiari Sumari, who are all good players, but Wilf is out of form. Mendy, he's a good and neat and tidy player, does the dirty work, but will he be able to hold up with the pace of Kane and Son? And Sumari, he likes playing against teams, he's better playing against teams that are high-pressed, teams a bit like Spurs so do we bring in a central defensive midfielder who would we bring in we cannot drop James Madison James Madison is the first name on that team sheet all the time the next one would be Yuri Tillemans who is the second player that you would put on that team sheet but he's not been at his best yes he's one of the most skillful players we've got and he's been a joy to watch but he's going to leave us in the summer which is a bit of a shame. Does he really want to be here? And he's not on the best of form. Keenan Dewsby Hall, another quality player. Do we drop him? He does the box-to-box running and he works his socks off. I'm not sure. Brendan Rodgers is in a no-win situation. If we lose for if we lose, and he's dropped Tillemans, it'll be, why have you dropped Tillemans and played Papi Mendy? Why have you dropped Tillemans and played Wilf, who's out of form? He's in a no-win situation, so he's got to earn his money this week, which is absolutely fantastic. It's enjoyable to be watching Leicester at the minute and actually looking forward to Spurs, where six months uh, at the beginning of the season, we weren't looking forward to playing you when we lost against you at White Hart Lane. Um, the formation, that's that's a difficult one. It depends how we play. If we play with the central defensive, it'll be 4-1-2-3. Um, but if we don't, It'll be uh, the same as the Villa game, which will be 4-3-3. We've been very one-dimensional going down Harvey Barnes down the right, but now we've got a bit of Brazilian flair with Tete. We can attack down both wings, so you've better watch out. Both wings, we're coming for you. Um, As for the result, I've always said, if you can't win, do not lose. I think the first thing we've got to do is do not lose and be tight at the back. We haven't beat you for a while uh, at the King Power. I think the last time we beat you was when James Madison Ricardo scored and we beat you 2-1. You thought you got a point out of it when Serge Aurelius scored and he did that dance on the touchline but got <laughs> but got, uh, disallowed for VAR because Song was about half an inch offside. But that was the last time we won. So I'd love to say a victory. I'd love... And stranger things are going to happen in this second half of the season. I really do believe we're going to sneak a win with this Tete on the wing. So I'm going for a 2-1 win, but I don't want us to lose. Cheers, lads. Thanks for listening to me. See you again. See you down the King Power. Come on, Leicester. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organisations not only to make the correct hiring decisions but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Jess, let's start with you. Look, big game for Tottenham Saturday afternoon, taking on Leicester, who, to be fair to them, um, I mean, they started the season under in a really, really bad form under uh, Brendan Rodgers. There was talk whether he'd even arguably keep his job. 
there was just something not clicking with Leicester. I mean, to be fair, they've made a couple of moves in the January transfer market to refresh their squad. They come off the back of a really good win against Aston Villa, a 4-2 win, I think it was away from home. Just mm-hmm. what kind of game do you think we're expecting? Always have at the King Power. What do you make of it? Well, this is the thing. I feel like I saw some comments earlier. People were like, oh, yeah, we should smash them, blah, 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 which technically we should. But I just don't think we should underestimate them because, firstly, Spurs. Um, secondly, obviously, Lloris isn't there. Um, we've lost Romero as well. And so that defensively is like quite a big thing, you know, changing it up after a good win. Um, James Madison is back from injury. I don't know too much about him, but I do know that since his return, they drew two all against Brighton. And then, Mm. like you said, they had that win for two against Aston Villa. Um, It's not looking, it's, that's, I mean, he's looking good. And Mm. then also you mentioned new signings. There was someone, uh, Tete, is that right? Yeah, Yeah. Tete, yeah, yeah, Brazilian. He was looking really good. And I feel like he's brand new and already a fan favourite. So... We're going to need to obviously watch out for that, but it's one of those where we should win. So I obviously I back us. And I think if we play attacking like we did, we watch out for mm. those, those people who are back. We've got this. We have yeah. got this. Just get a prediction when you just, what you're going to go for. I am going to go. Mm, I want us to get three. I want yeah. someone I want Sonny back on the score sheet. That's what yeah. I desperately, desperately want. Oh, man, agree. Um, I think they might get one. I'm going to go 3-1. Okay, positive there from Jess, a 3-1. Pat, let's come around to you. Look, I mean, I think we always say Leicester away, never an easy ground for Tottenham. I mean, having said that, there's been a few games we've done really, really well up there, uh, yeah. going pretty back to the pot cheers, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, it's always a, a tough, tough game. And to be fair, look, I mean, if Spurs do want to keep in top four contention, of course, just a point behind... Newcastle going into this you know they're gonna to have to be winning these games I'm being honest with you Pat they can't really afford to drop points how do you see it pan out for you Pat yeah I'm think I, I echo everything Jess is saying I, I think we I not think we, we will win the game let's be positive I think we'll win the game um but let's start you've got to watch James Madison a fantastic player someone I've always admired I mean this season he's got eight goals I didn't realize he'd scored so many goals this season and four assists so the guy's cooking uh, Harvey Barnes is always a goal threat as well. He's got yeah, seven goals and one assist. So they've yeah. got some quality players. Jamie Vardy's definitely seen better days, but you know he mm. loves to turn up against Tottenham, so we've got to watch out for him. But he might come off the bench and have a cameo appearance. But to be fair, we've got way more than enough for Leicester. I see us winning and winning quite comfortably, dare I say, like touchwood. I think we'll beat them 4-1. Okay. So, um, yeah, Sonny to get two goals. Because Son looked good. I was arguing with a lot of people um, I agree. On, on, on podcasts yeah. this week because they were saying, what's going on with Son? When's... And I've, I said to them, I thought Son had a good game. Like, takes basically each game by case-by-case basis. Against Man City, that was the Son that we all love. Running at players, being dangerous, basically being a threat. One or two decisions in the final third could have been better, but that was the Son that we know. We all want to see him get goals and assists that didn't come. But I believe that he's back to where he should be. So, yeah, um, yeah I think Son scores two, Kane scores two. We beat them 4-1. OK, love it. I mean, Mitch, it's quite interesting. At one point, we were expecting maybe Rodgers to lose his job at Leicester. They were in a horrendous run of form. I think it's actually, when you look at the reverse fixture, Spurs smashing Leicester at home and Son getting that hat-trick. I mean, there was a real feeling in between that international break that Leicester might arguably make a managerial change, but they didn't. They stuck with Rodgers. I mean, you could argue that maybe he had a big, big compensation package that would have been really hard given their own issues with financial fair play. Well, they might have not done that. But look, they have to some degree backed in a couple of January signings, as uh, Jess mentioned. They look refreshed from there. Uh, and as Jess again mentioned, that Tete will be one to watch. I mean, what kind of Leicester do you think we're going to be facing at the weekend, Mitch? Um, I think we're facing the dangerous Leicester. Um, I mean, I... I love watching us play against Leicester. There's always some some really good matchups against them. I mean, I was writing live scores preview for for the game at the weekend earlier in the day today, and um, I was just doing some research on it. I think since Leicester got back promoted to the Premier League in 2014, um, across the games they've played against Spurs, there's been 71 goals across wow. it. So it's a lot. Obviously, <laughs> wow. Harry Kane Harry Kane hasn't scored more against the Premier League side than Leicester with 18. So I expect it to be um, an affair with lots of goals. Um, yep. I think I think you know there's always 
um, a little bit of drama up in the Midlands against them as well. I was at the game. Um, I can't even remember if it was last season. I think it was last season. Now with with Bergwin's winner. Oh yeah, it was. But yeah, um, it was yeah. I, was, I was in the I was in the oh, way in for that. Oh, um, so yeah, that was, that was incredible. Did you end so, up falling onto the pitch with all the celebrations? I was I was I was quite <laughs> high up, but um, yeah, I think one fella I know ended up having his arm crushed and it broke. Oh, yeah, oh Jesus! Oh well. Um, but yeah, so I think. I mean, ask me a year later if it's worth it now. I mean, maybe yeah. you would say, maybe you would say it was worth it now a year later, but. Yeah, yeah, at the time, but he wasn't. No, but um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a really good game, and um, you know, I agree with what some of the guys in the comments are saying. Kane looks hungry for some goals. Mm. Um, I think if I had to make a prediction, I'd go three two. I reckon. Okay, you know, it's just it's always back and forth, end to end games between us. Yeah, isn't it? it doesn't ever really look stable in in either defence, and you know, without Romero for us, without Lloris and a couple of their new boys like Jess was mentioning as well, it could be could be quite a feisty affair. Hopefully, yeah. Agree. I mean, something you feel has got to give. Leicester have failed to win in the last four home Premier League games. Meanwhile, Spurs have yet to win three top flight on the trot. So you do feel that something has got to give. Look, guys, I've got to say, it's been lovely having you all here. Like I say three fresh debuts. We're going to hope they're going to be back with us very, very soon. We hope you enjoyed it. I know I'm being urged because Love Island has just started. Ooh. It's fine. The first, the first minute's Ricky, fine. Nothing really happens in the first minute. I've been battered over the fact that Love Island is almost in the escapism for me. Let me tell you, as a Spurs fan, everyone's needed their escapism and Love Island's been that. Before I let these wonderful guys go, Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on last one Spurs for your debut. Mitch, where can everybody find you on the socials? Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, yeah, pleasure, it's just... Uh, at Mitch Fretton, mainly on Twitter. Um, I took a bit of a break during January and in the new year, but I should be getting back to a bit more posting over the next few weeks. So yeah, I'm on there if if anyone fancies dropping a follow. Amazing, Mitch. We look forward to having you back with us, hopefully before the end of the season. Jess, lots of love for you here. Lots of people, I think, have come over from listening to you on radio to over here, which is interesting. Oh, I hope Jess, so. <laughs> where can everybody hear your dulcet tones, which is more music than football, I must just say, just to be clear. You're not doing the five live commentary, Jess, are you? By oh, no, 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 no. They haven't called me up just yet. But you know what? After today, I'm just I'm waiting for my phone to go off. Um, I am on Saturday nights, 8 till 10 p.m. on BBC Radio London, uh, BBC Sounds and uh, very early in the morning, 5 a.m. Saturday and Sunday on Radio 1. Uh, and Magic Chilled, Monday to Friday, 2 till 5. So Look at that. every busy, day, busy, busy. we have no excuse not to hear No. Our interest, <laughs> just, does, does the music change if Spurs win? Do we get more upbeat music or is it always pretty much similar? It's more whether I'm upbeat or not, but there we go. <laughs> the music's always top form, don't worry. <laughs> Jess, it's been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to having you back with us, hopefully before the end of the season, if not, definitely next. Pat, I know it's been a long time coming, my bro. Love to have you on last one, Spurs, to make your debut. I know wherever he... <laughs> this guy normally is on a channel somewhere fighting Spurs' corner whilst getting oh, battered mate. by about yeah. six opposition fans. So, Pat, this is Literally. probably a nice bit of a chill-out session for you, right? Yeah, I've never worked with nice. Terry. I know Terry yeah. personally, so <laughs> I've just let just let easy be for a little bit, right? Yeah, no, this is nice and chill. It's been a pleasure and an honour. And obviously, like you said, I'm usually on the football terrace or other yeah. podcasts just fighting Spurs' corner. They're always trying to throw shade at us, and I'm here fighting people trying to tell me Harry Kane's not world class all oh, his goals man. mean nothing just crazy comments I'm it's here back in. Stuff, yeah, don't be biting bro do not be biting but no it's been a pleasure being on here um my name's there or was there so Patrick Tyrant on our Twitter Instagram uh you can catch me on the football terrace uh Premier League unpacked and then best of the rest with Saeed and all the boys so yeah been a pleasure man. been an honor hope to come back soon and Jess and Mitch, it's been a pleasure as well. So, yeah. Absolutely. Pat, been brilliant. Mitch, Jess, thank you so much. Guys, we are back with you. Look at lots of love for the debutants here. Lots of love for the debutants. <laughs> this is what I mean. Look, save Spurs would sign more players and have debuts like this. I'll tell you. No pressure. No pressure. But from the brilliant Mitch Fretton, from the superb Jess is that, from the wonderful Pat Tryon. Guys, we've been the last one on Spurs. We are back with you on Saturday for instant post-match reaction. Have a lovely end to your week. Keep safe, keep well. And as always, come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.